0: Miss for children's church. You can follow Brent out the back, and then uh, hey, kids, we got uh, Cody and Randy back today. So our newlywed couple. So welcome back. Late, great to have you guys. Great to see y'all. Oh, <laughs> uh, it's all right. I was almost late. Um, so uh, let's see. So y'all went. Y'all just y'all went a little honeymoon through uh, New Orleans, right, and up th- back through Austin. Cool. Good food. Yes. Amazing. Good. Yeah. Good. Good. It's hard to get good seafood in a landlocked place like this, isn't it? Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to be in John chapter 15. And uh, let's see. As we go there, we've been talking here this last uh, two weeks. Let the kids all filter out. All right. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about discipleship. And, and what it is, discipleship, if I could just put it in the simplest terms I can, discipleship is just following Jesus. And especially what, what I want to talk about is how do you follow Jesus well? How do you follow him well? And uh, we talked last week about um, from Luke chapter 14 where uh, Jesus was talking. And you remember there were great multitudes of people uh, following Jesus. And, man, then he just kind of he, he kind of he, he left them with no real... Um, choice, but to either follow him or not, but very little middle ground. You know, he told them, you need to consider the cost of following me because like we talked last week, I think uh, um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer and, and uh, oh, Billy Graham and some others have, have uh, said something similar to this, but salvation is free, but discipleship costs you everything or discipleship will cost you your life um, and Jesus would say that really in no uncertain terms in, in Luke chapter 14, and he basically left it where you either going to commit and decide that losing everything to follow me is worth it, or you need to reconsider following me, but he left no room in between, right? He, re- he really didn't leave any room between for any kind of half-hearted followers. It was either you either commit and follow me, or else you need to think about whether following me is worth it or not. Really difficult words. I want to follow along with that, though, really closely with with today's sermon. And I'm, so I'm glad you're here this week, especially if you were here last week. I'm glad you're here anyway, but uh, but especially if you were here, here last week because Jesus would um, Jesus would would in no uncertain terms tell you what is required of you and I to follow Him, and that's kind of what we covered last week. And what I want to talk about this week is is what it, what the very first step is, what the very uh, most important, what the key, I don't know how else to say it, the key to following Him, the key to discipleship, and that's what we're going to be talking about today in uh, John chapter 15. So in John chapter 15, we're going we're to we're kick off in just a moment, but um, discipleship starts with or begins with relationship. Uh, discipleship doesn't happen without relationship, and G- we're going to hear Jesus talk in, in those words here in just a moment. Um, but following Jesus starts with being with Jesus. And before you can do his work, you have to connect with his person. All that to say that the very first thing that you and I must do as disciples, the very first thing that you and I must do um, if we want to follow Jesus is not put our hands to the work, but to spend time with his person. It, it has to be in relationship, has to be the most important part of discipleship is being with him or being in that relationship with him. We're going to read in John chapter 15, Jesus is going to to use a metaphor where he's going to talk about a vine uh, that produces fruit. We might think of it as a, as a grapevine, for example, where you have the vine and you have branches and then you have the branches that make fruit. Um, boy, this, th- these, uh, these ideas of, of horticulture are found all throughout the scriptures. Um, we, and Jesus is going to use these words very similar sounding to what God commanded um, Adam and Eve in Genesis, where he told them, uh, go forth and what? Be fruitful, be, be fruitful. And, and he was talking about there about about uh, spreading and procreating all over, the, all over the earth and extending God's authority all over the earth, but also to represent God, you know, to be God's image bearers. We are, unlike the rest of creation, we are created in God's image. The rest of creation is not. We are created in His image, and, and as His image bearers, we are to go and to spread His image all over the planet. Now, we know what happened um, very soon after that. Adam and Eve fell into sin, and their image of God was, was corrupted, um, and so I think it's interesting to me to kind of tie that back to John chapter 15, where Jesus is going to call again for his disciples to be fruitful and to bear much fruit. I think, I think that's an interesting parallel, especially now in John chapter 15, when he was about to give his life for them, and they would bear fruit in a way that had not been done before in the history of mankind as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But um, anyway, I'll let you kind of ponder that. Um, and there's something to this. I do want to ask you, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to teach and preach on this today and, and I hope maybe I'll, I'll share something new with you, something that you haven't thought of before, something you haven't seen before in these passages. But one, you know, I, I want to encourage you a lot when you're in the scriptures and when you're in prayer and when you're in quiet time, that's not just a time to check the box and go on and say, oh, I, I read my chapter and I prayed for our missionaries and now I'm going to go on about my day. Take that time, It really take that time to enter in communion with the Lord Jesus Christ. And one of the ways that you can do it is through through meditation. I'm not talking about Eastern meditation where you empty your mind of everything. Um, I'm talking about meditation on the Word of God, meditation on the things of God. And so here's a great thing that you could spend a whole lot of time, and we all should be spending a lot of time thinking about and meditating about, is what does it mean, and we're going to talk about today, what what does it mean to abide in Jesus Christ? What does it mean to remain in Jesus Christ? Listen, we could, you could spend a lot of time there thinking about all the things that it means, and we're gonna we're going to try to talk about some of those things today. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you what you think maybe some of the aspects of, of abiding in and remaining in Christ are, so be ready. The test is coming here. The pop quiz is coming here in just a moment. Uh, but, uh, but here in, in, this morning, what Jesus is going to talk about is, is in bearing fruit the importance of relationship. So let's get started in John chapter 15. We're going to read uh, through about verse 11. Um, yeah, we'll see how far we get. But anyway, let's go let's go through verse 11 in the first reading. So so let me back up though. Let me let me orient you to where we are. In John chapter 13 the disciples are having the last supper, right? So this is the last this is a Passover meal that they enjoy together. Um, just before that evening when Jesus would be betrayed and, and carried away, arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. So in chapter 14, um, we see Jesus uh, telling them that this is the way to the Father, I'm going to a place that you do not know, you know, all that stuff is happening in John chapter 14. So John chapter 15 is apparently happening on their way to Gethsemane where he's continuing to teach them. So this takes on real significance, doesn't it, here? Be- well, I'm getting way ahead of myself. We just need to start reading. But this takes on incredible significance here. They've been following Jesus for for three years, right? They've been following him for three and a half years. They've been with him. And Jesus is about to be taken from him. And listen, so what are the words he's going to say? He's going to say, remain in me. He was about to be taken away from them, but what he was telling them is the same way that you've been with me. You need to continue to be with me. The way that you've been following me, you need to continue to follow me. And he knew that he was going to be taken up, and he would say over and over and over again in these verses, remain in me, knowing full well that he wouldn't be physically present with them. And so this remaining or abiding or living with Jesus was going to take on some whole new way that they hadn't even thought of Before this time, the disciples hadn't. So anyway, so remember that. Remember that. This is, that's where we are in the the story. This is, that's the context in John chapter 15. So John chapter 15, with no further ado, um, chapter one, or chapter, verse one of chapter 15. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Okay, so uh, let's back up. Uh, Who's the vine? Who's the gardener? And here in a moment, we're going to read about branches in chapter two. He cuts off every branch of me. Who do you suppose the branches are? The disciples, of which we are some, right, Um, are the disciples. Verse verse 2, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. We'll talk about that in a moment. While every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Listen to how many times he uses the word remain or abide in. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my Father's words, I'm sorry, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be in. May be complete. Okay, Amen. Great words. What a great teaching! Um, what what incredible um, what incredible words here! Is Jesus really is preparing his disciples for his departure, and he's telling them and talking to them about remaining in him. Fantastic! Um, really, really great verses. Okay, so let's talk about this. Let's break it up, break it down here just a little bit. In verse two, there are two different kinds of branches that he's going to talk about here. Um, that that are having problems producing fruit. First one, first he says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Okay, so two kinds of branches, right? There are the branches that what? Don't bear fruit. And there are the branches that what? Bear fruit. He's got two different actions for those two different fruit, right? Two different branches. Actions for those two different, did I say that right? Anybody? Okay, all right. So the ones that bear no fruit, what's he going to do? Cut them off. Okay, the bear, the, so let's talk about being cut off. Okay, so we see. So look with me in verse 2, and now look down in verse 6. If anyone does not remain in me, maybe talking about the same branch here, the same type of branch that does not bear fruit. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Okay, every time that you and I see fire in the New Testament, we automatically think what? Hell. Right okay, you can say it it's all right. all right we can talk about that it's, it says it in the Bible, right we can say it all right, so um every time that we think about that, but however that 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 picture of hell is, 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 that, is that that picture of fire is not always in reference to hell um, right we know from um, from first Corinthians actually chapter three, would you go ahead and pull that up Tim first Corinthians chapter three, there's another test of fire. Uh, that's, not talking about, that's not talking about damnation. It's not talking about hell. It's talking about a testing by fire. And so look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If any man builds on this foundation, meaning uh, the foundation of Christ, using gold, silver, costly stone, wood, hay, or straw, let me stop there for just a minute. You notice the first three things are costly and precious. The last three things are worthless, right? So if someone builds with costly things or if someone builds with worthless things, what's going to happen? His work will be shown for what it is. What do you suppose if you build with wood, hay, or straw, and it's tested by fire, what's going to happen? You're left with nothing. It's burned up, right? Um, uh, Gold, silver, and precious stones, if you build with those things, it's going to remain, right? Because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will, here we go, will test the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved but only as one escaping through the flame. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we have this picture of a day of testing that, that is for all of us as believers. And that's not a day of judgment as then God saying, um, you're a Christian, but you're not that good a Christian. No, 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 no. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved. Amen, that's scriptural, right? Everyone who does will be saved. This is not a matter of salvation. This is a matter of testing. And the testing in 1 Corinthians, Paul would write, is this testing is by fire. If you've built things that are worthless, if you've spent your life building things for God's kingdom that don't matter or saying that you're building them for the God's kingdom and they're not the day of judgment, when we all stand before Christ to receive our reward, there'll be nothing. We'll receive nothing for our reward. Because why? Because we did nothing. As opposed to those people who build with gold, silver, and precious stones, those people will receive a Reward, But notice the, the, the effect here is that this is not God punishing or God is sending us into fire. It's a testing of our work, okay? So could be, now there would be people who disagree. There are some people who say, yeah, if you don't bear fruit, you're not a believer. I don't think that's true. I think in light of some of these other verses, what I, what I think is happening here is that what, what Paul's talking about here is that is that those... Those those um, those branches that are not bearing fire, one of two things, they're not bearing fruit. One of two things, either they're going to be proven one day to be unfruitful, and their rewards going to be taken away, and it'll be tested by fire, or that branch that appeared to be part of the vine is going to be shown one day not to be part of the vine, and so that branch will be cut off, and that's where that term, in that, especially in that second verse where it's cut off, where there's this real separation between the vine and the branch. But one of those two things, uh, apparently, either this was someone who appeared to be part of the kingdom of God, appeared to be part of the family God, and then after a time of not bearing fruit, it became evident that they were not, or these are someone who would go through their life and have, um, ver- have nothing to show after the test of the fire for their fruit. Okay, now listen, let's, let me pause there for just a minute. These, verb, these verbs, these verses, oh my goodness, my kids are in school and all of a sudden it's like I'm in school. Oh, uh, yeah, I hadn't even helped with homework yet, my goodness. All right, these verses are in here for your and I's encouragement, edification, building up, and correction, right? Okay, so this is here for you and for me. This is, and, and so, listen, I know I'm a good Baptist, right? I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. You know, I, I sincerely believe that. I believe that, you know, that my salvation was dependent on God from the day that I was saved, and it will be dependent upon God until the day that he calls me home or I die. And if he's not the one that's holding on to me, and if it's me holding on to him, this isn't going to work, Right? Uh, So I believe in once you're saved, you're always saved. However, in in light of that, so I read verses like this, and I read some of the other verses, like other passages like Hebrews chapter 6 that appear to say that you can lose your salvation. I I don't believe that that's what they say at all. I believe that that what it says and what some of Jesus' parables say is there will be those who think they're a believer who in the end will be proven that they're not right? You tell me. If that's not true, then what is, Jesus tells a parable about a wheat and the, the wheat and the tares, right? And what, so what's he say? So the wheat grows up and the tares grow up and, uh, and uh, the master says, no, let them, grow to be, get, let them grow together. They'll be separated in the end. He talks about the catch of fish and, and, talk, and, whether, and how they'll be separated in the end. He talks about the sheeps and the goats and how they'll be separated from one another, but it won't happen until... The end. You got it. Yeah. The end. And so it appears that there's going to be a time, and, and it certainly sounds that way. As a matter of fact, Jesus would talk um, in a way that he would say that um, um, he would give a testimony, but not a testimony. He would give words that it, uh, where someone was speaking, and he said, "But Lord, I did all these things for you. I did all this work for you." And he says, "What? Away from me, I never knew you. Good. Very good. Yeah, I never knew you. There will be some who are surprised in the last day, in the day." of judgment, the, uh, the day that Christ comes back in the rapture or the day of judgment, who will be surprised that they're not in the kingdom. Scary, isn't it? Uh, listen, listen, all of us should hear those things. And all of us, you know, Paul says we ought to examine ourselves. We ought to test ourselves. He says that several times. Just read it actually in 2 Corinthians, didn't we? But Paul talks about those, about how we ought to examine our lives and how we ought to see ourselves. One of the things that we ought to be doing is saying, do I see the fruit of God in my life? Do I see the fruit of his spirit in my character? Do I see the fruit of a follower, a disciple of the Lord Jesus? Now listen, I've gone through times and you've gone through times where there hasn't been much fruit, yeah? So, but, it, but it appears to me that there are times when the Lord's doing his pruning work. There are also times of the, in my life where I've not followed the Lord well, right? You? That ever happened with you? Yeah, yeah, it has, hasn't it? Yeah, you know why I know that? Because I know that's true of me. Uh, There are times that we don't follow the Lord well. There's also times of fruitfulness, and there appears to be times of pruning. It appears that there are times when the Lord intentionally says, this is not the time to gather fruit. This is not the time to pick fruit. This is a time for pruning work in your life, okay? So I'm not talking about those short periods of time when you and I are struggling with, with things, although we ought to be always looking and always testing and always be asking ourselves, Lord, am, am, I, am I producing the fruit? Am I following you in a way that you can work through me, that you can produce your fruit in my life, yeah? Now we see, you know, we see it. You know, you see people, you and I know people maybe even, who have once to appeared to be very <laughs> sincere in their faith, and then they walk away and they never come back. That's a disturbing sign. That's a disturbing signal. That's one that we need to be concerned. And listen, and if you find yourself in this, these, this boat also here today for you, you ought to be concerned. Yeah? I don't think this is, in, this is in here for that reason, for a warning for all of us to be, to, to be thinking and be looking and be asking ourselves about the fruit in our lives. Now, again, right? the first thing you and I do, we start thinking about other people. I, that's not what I'm telling you to do. What I'm asking you to do is think about yourself. Think about yourself. Examine yourself. Examine your own life. Examine your own life for for that fruit. But let's continue. We've taken too much time with that. Um, So um so let's talk about that. Look with me in verse two. So we talked about the the branch that's cut off. Now, what about the branch that he prunes? The branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Let's talk about that for a minute. We you guys know you guys know the answers to this, so let me just ask you. What does it look like for the Lord to prune the life of a believer? Yeah, it hurts, right? Pruning, everyone loves it, right? Everyone loves having pieces cut off of them, right? No, not necessarily. What's it look like in your life? What's pruning? What what is, what is the Lord doing when he's pruning? Molding us, yeah, shaping us. Cleaning up all the garbage, yeah, refining. You know, some, there are some places in Scripture in the Old Testament New Testament too where, um, where this, this process of the Lord refining our faith where he's, where he's you know, with, here again with a picture with fire, right, where he is with fire, with heat. He's, he's letting the, the dross of the, of the gold in our lives, he's letting that dross rise to the surface so he can scrape off the impurities and to build a, a more pure faith. Yeah, so what's that what's it look like? What's it, what, what is it? What is it like when we're pruned by the Lord? What's he doing? Removing the impurities, helping molding us into his likeness, what else? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, perseverance, I think, is one of the, it's, it is one of the keys of, of, of it's it, it one of the key uh, of the indicators that you and I are believers, right? It, it, and Hebrews will say about three times, it's those who persevere to the end who are saved. This, this idea of perseverance that's, that's evidence um, of, of salvation, that's right. What else? Yeah, yeah. So so one of the things that you do, right, as a gardener, right, if, if you've got a rose bush or you've got a vine or something, one of the things that you do to help it be fruitful is you cut back on the branches because it's expending energy, as Clay's talking about it. It's expending energy to grow leaves. It's expending energy to grow branches. But you want, as a gardener, fruit or flowers, right? So you prune it back, and it focuses the energy on producing the fruit or producing the flower, and sometimes the flower, and therefore the fruit. Okay, anyway. Uh, n- so... Yeah, so, so that pruning in our lives so, so isn't it interesting? You said, "The ones that do bear fruit he prunes. Uh, who's exempt from pruning? Man, nobody. Every one of us needs it in our life. Every one of us needs to be conformed to the image of Christ. Every one of us needs, uh, needs to be have the, the junk removed in our lives. Every one of us needs that so that we can be more fruitful. Now, who of you here could, and I'm going to ask you to raise your hand, who of you here can say, I've gone through a time of the Lord's pruning, and I've found myself to be more fruitful in the end? Anyone? Listen, let me me tell you um, our story just a little bit. So, you know that Brenda and I have had just an easy walk of it, really, our whole lives. It's been like simple for us. No, not really. You know, we've struggled. The, the, you know, we had a, our, our second daughter, I don't know if you're not familiar with her, she has a, a, a slight handicap. It's not big, but it was big to us. It, it was a time of suffering for us. We suffered for, for years. In some ways, we'll always suffer because of the handicap that she has. But I can tell you, in my life, I'm a different man today because of that, um, of that pruning that the Lord put in my life. Rebecca is a different uh, uh, 16-year-old than you know, today than she would be She's 17, isn't she? Yeah, is a different 17-year-old. Is <laughs> a different 17-year-old than she would be had it not been for a disability. Our whole family's different than, than we'd have been if she'd have just been born without a disability. But it's not just that. It's also me waking up one day and realizing, God, I am not the father that you've called me to be. An embarrassment, or even in shame. But that's a part of the Lord's pruning, where He says, "I want you to do." better. I want you to follow me better here. Or, or, or uh, with regard to our finances where I just say, Lord, I'm not, where I just wake up one day and after some time and I just say, Lord, I'm not honoring you with our money and I want to do better. See, all that's a time of God's, of God's pruning. But in the end, what it's resulted in is more fruit in my life, right? So, so I can go to someone who's struggling. I can go to someone who's a family, and, you know, we, we have a real kinship with the Robinsons because we, we've shared some of the same scars. We've shared some of the same struggles. They, you know, thankfully, they went ahead of us a little bit with Jesse, and uh, he's, what, five years older, I guess, than, uh, not quite that, four, three, four, three, three four years older. I'm going to give up on years and counting today. i have just, huh? No, it's nine years. Oh, my word. <laughs> Uh, that's embarrassing, isn't it? Wow. The older I get, the... No, never mind. Um, yeah, who went years, nine years. See, I was trying to give them some credit for being not quite as old as I... Never mind. Not really. Uh, went years ahead of us, and they were able to minister to us because of what? Because of the pruning that the Lord had done in their lives, right? So God takes something that we often see as terrible and awful, but His intention is is to make us more fruitful in His kingdom. Amen. Amen? Yeah, he does it. See, God all the time is turning something that we think is terrible, tragic suffering into something that's beautiful um, and wonderful for his kingdom. And is it a great thing? So, yeah, think about this for a moment. Um, So, in the act of God's pruning that we often see as bad, God is bringing about fruit. It's pretty great. It's pretty awesome, isn't it? Only in the kingdom of God. Only in the kingdom of God. For the rest of the world, there's, there's no sense to suffering, is there, except for we deserve it? Okay. Um, So anyway, so uh, that's about pruning. So let's continue. Uh, You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I'm not going to talk about that much today. Now, here we go. He's going to say in verses uh, verses 4 through about 11 or 12, he's going to use this word remain or abide or live with. He's going to use that 11 times. What do you suppose the key to this passage is? Remain in me. Listen, he's going to say it 11 times. Sometimes we're dense. Sometimes it takes twice, three times. Eleven times he's going to say, "Remain in me or abide with me." This is a this is a, this term that says "remain in me" means to live with or abide with or 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 come along with. You know, pitch your tent next to me. L- 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 let's live together. Um, and and he asks him, he tells them to abide with or live with or remain in him. Um, so let me, let's talk for just a moment in verse 4. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in, in the vine. Neither can you bear, bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear what? Much Okay, let's, uh, let's, let's keep going. I want to ask you just real quickly, what does it mean? What do we do to remain in the Lord Jesus Christ? What are the things that we do to remain in Him? What does it look like? Be in the Word is what Clay's suggesting, I think, yeah. To be in the Word, to, to be a student of His Word, right? To study it, to read it, right? What else? And meditate on it, yeah, very important. What else? What does it mean to remain in him? Avoid that aren't him? Yeah. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Avoid things that aren't him, right? So, so to remain in him is by, by, de, by uh, default, that means there are some things that you are not remaining in, right? We do not want to remain in sin. We may struggle with it. We may struggle to get out of it, but we don't want to remain in <laughs> sin. We want to remain in him and his holiness. That's right. What else? I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I wrote something really similar. Yeah, it, it's to it's to pray continually to for not just to have a quiet time in the morning, which you should, but to have a a time during the day that you're that you're focused on the Lord. Now, listen, I struggle to focus on the Lord all day. You, yeah, I do, man. I tell you, when it's easy though, so many mornings I, I drive to work and the sun's just coming up, man. And I don't know, you know. Thank goodness we don't have any trees here. Amen. Um. <laughs> Because you can see the sunrise and the sunset almost every day. And listen, almost every day, it is majestic, isn't it? It's just beautiful. It's just, it's just wonderful. And it's very, I love it because in the, on my drive to work in the morning or sometimes after I get there and it comes up and I'm outside later, um, I can see the sunrise. And man, it is a beautiful reminder and a beautiful time for me just to connect again with the Lord and to say, wow, thank you for your majesty. Your beauty reflected in, in your creativity in the sun, sunrise is breathtaking. And it's a beautiful reminder, but I ought to be like that all through my day. You know, for every struggle, for every, every, um, every concern that I have, every anxious thought I have or whatever, I ought to be a time where I can go back to the Lord and pray continually, to pray at all times, to know that he's with me. Because he said he was, right? He said, I- I'm with you always, right? Um, to, because to know and practice his presence with me every single moment of the day. What else? What else what else is what it does do we do to be to remain in the Lord? Fellowship with other believers, I don't know who said that, but yes, fellowship with other believers, that's exactly right, is to enjoy the company and the kinship with other believers and to talk about something besides the weather, right, to, to get into and, and talk about what the Lord's been doing in our lives, so, so important, such a beautiful thing, and encouraging thing for, for you and I to hear about what the, what the Lord's doing in someone else's life. What else? I want to say two things then, okay. First one is, is continue to be obedient, you know, just every day to, to have the idea or have the thought that and the desire, I want to be obedient to what you're calling me to today, right? I, there are some things I followed you in obedience to yesterday, some things I did not. But, Lord, I want to be quick to be obedient to you today. And, and now remember, he's saying, you know, we're reading these words today, but this was originally spoken to the first 11 of the 12, first 11 of the 12, um, who were there with Jesus for three and a half years. And he said, remain in me or abide with me. And so what he's talking about here is to continue with the calling that he placed on their lives, to continue to be faithful, to fulfill everything that he called them to be and to be obedient to the calling that they had. That's a huge part of remaining in Christ. It's to say, Lord, whatever your call is, help me be to be faithful to follow through with it today. Help me to be obedient in it today. I didn't do so well in this area yesterday, but today, Lord, I want to be obedient to what you're calling me to. Help me to be obedient. Give me the faith to follow you. The last thing I want to say is what Cody had kind of brought up. There's a huge part of remaining in the Lord Jesus Christ that is just perseverance, It is just hanging on. And I want to talk to you just real quickly about two things. There are things that happen in our lives that will challenge your belief in the goodness of God. Right? There are things that happen in your lives that says, I know that you're sovereign and I know that you're good, but right now I'm having a hard time putting the two together. Right? I know that you're sovereign and that you could control this. You could change this. And I know that you're good because your word tells me to. But right now, you're not working in a way that I think would be, is to my benefit. I don't think what you're doing is good. So Lord, what help me believe and remain hopeful in your goodness, even if this doesn't turn out the way I want it to. It's hard to persevere through that, isn't it? It's hard to hang on to your faith through that. It's hard to hang on to that belief that the Lord God is good and he intends good for you and I, when the things around us seem to be pointing that either things are way out of control or the Lord God has forgotten about me. Listen, it happens. It happens to people today. It happened to David in the Psalms over and over and over again. You can read them for yourselves. You know, there's times over and over again where he says, why did you forsake me? How have you forgotten me? Can you not hear me? Can you not see me anymore? And then time and time and time again, he would come back and say, oh, there you are. Oh, oh, I, now I see your goodness again. Oh, now I see you again. This is part of the struggle of, of being a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that persevering faith, and that persevering hope that I, I still believe in his goodness, and I still have hope that, that he is good and that he is for me. But it's a huge part of remaining in him is continuing to believe and to follow him. Um, yeah. So um, so let me, let, let, me, let me lead you through to a couple of verses now that this reminds me of. I want to talk to you now. You know, so he says in verse... Um, uh, in verse six, and 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 then down again in verse eight. Read, look, look with me in verse six and verse. I'm sorry, verse five and verse eight. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear what? Much fruit. Listen, if you remain in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will have a fruitful life, a fruit filled life. It's going to happen. God's going to produce in here in you all that He desires to have a fruitful. Life. And then skip down with me in verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear what? Much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Listen, God is glorified. When you and I produce fruit in the kingdom of God, when you and I are doing the things that Jesus has called us to do, when you and I, are, when you, you and I, and particularly what he's going to talk about at the end of this passage, is when you and I are loving each other and loving the world and, and our relationship with other people is in a loving way, that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. When we treat people with love, that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're selfless, when we're selflessly giving like Jesus was selflessly giving to, selflessly giving to us and we're selflessly giving to other people, that honors the Lord Jesus Christ. That, in particular, honors the Lord Jesus Christ because this is one of the particular attributes about God that is, like all the others, perfect. All right, so, um, uh, so when you and I are following the Lord, when we're loving people well, that is showing and demonstrating um, the, the fruit of God, and God is glorified in it. But, but the thing I want to focus on here now is that if you and I will do that, if we'll spend time remaining with Him, There will be fruit. Now, here's the great thing about fruit. Uh, Maybe not so great. Here's a tough thing about fruit. Fruit takes time. Fruit takes time to produce, right? It, it, it doesn't happen in a day. It doesn't happen in a week. Fruit takes time to, brood, produ, to produce. So there is nothing like it in your life, but when you spend day after day after day in the presence of the Lord, in, in praying to Him continually, in bringing His Word a time or two or three a day, um, in meditating on His Word, on thinking about the things that He's called you to, on examining and inspecting your lives, listen, the, 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 the effect of years of that are incredible, aren't they? And listen. So let me ask you: are, are you at a point where you've spent years faithfully following, remaining in the Lord? Listen, there's fruit in your life, and and it, it happens uh, kind of unexpectedly. But but let me tell you: When I was reading this, it just kind of it kind of brought back some Old Testament um, imagery that that uh, that I was thinking of. So Psalm chapter one. Here here we go. Here's Psalm chapter one. This says something very similar to this about. Um, remain in me and you will bear much fruit. Psalm chapter 1, I've, um, blessed is, I've learned this in, uh, in King James first. so forgive me. Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he, what? Meditates. Well, I've been talking about that. Isn't that funny? Day and night, almost like I'd planned that there. <clears throat> Day and night. Verse 3, he, now who is this? This is the blessed man who uh, delights in the law of the Lord. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. You ever known anyone who's got a real depth in their relationship with the Lord? Is this not true of them? They're like a tree planted by water that never knows seasons of drought. It doesn't matter what happens on the outside. They are strong and they are sturdy and they are a source of fruit all their lives. It doesn't matter what's going on in their lives. They're a constant source uh, of goodness. They're a constant source of fruit in and out of season and their, their leaves don't wither. They go through things that you and I look at and say, wow, doesn't that bother you? But they've already walked with the Lord so long, it takes a lot to shake their faith. Do you want to be someone like that? Don't you want to be someone who's got roots that deep that have really grown over the period of years and have had years to develop fruit in their lives to be like this, like a like a like a mighty tree planted by a stream of water? Yeah, okay. How, what's next there, uh, Tim? Proverbs ten eleven. We talked about this one about a month ago, but I love this. The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. Don't you love that? The mouth of the. That means, that means that for the people around you, someone who's remained in the Lord for years and has walked with him well in times and been in his word and prayed to him continually, someone who's like that, when they speak, that, that righteous person, when they speak, it's like a fountain of life to the people around and who hear them. Can, can you imagine that? So someone speaks, and it's just wisdom. It's just the wisdom of walking with the Lord for years. It's just the. It's just life. It's just life giving. It's just life bringing to the people around them. Because when they speak, it's it's encouraging. When they speak, it's it's full of wisdom. It's full of God's wisdom from the scriptures. It's full of love because they've walked with the Lord. It's full of the power of the Spirit in their lives because they've walked with the Spirit for years. Also in Proverbs chapter ten, verse twenty one, the lips of the righteous nourish many. I love that. I I love that. I I love that in the Proverbs. The the. The lips of the righteous nourish many. What that means is that the people around, these righteous people, the people that are around them actually are nourished by the words by the, that come out of their mouth, by the words that come out of their lips. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that incredible? You ever known anyone like that? You ever known that, that no matter what was going on, when you sat and you talked to them, you just knew very well that you're going to hear wisdom from God? that you're going to hear life-giving words, that you're going to hear encouragement, that you're going to hear uh, the wisdom of someone who's spent their years following after and chasing after God. Uh, Listen, that's, I think, what's described here in John chapter 15, the same thing, is that you and I, when we abide in the Lord Jesus Christ, will bear much fruit. So uh, here, a warning and encouragement to, to end. So the next thing here is, apart from me, you can do... Nothing. This is the warning, right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Listen, um, when I'm not abiding with the Lord Jesus Christ every day, I act like, or I don't think that this that the scripture is true. That John chapter fifteen is true. I act like I can produce anything I want all by myself, and I don't need the Lord's help to do it. It's not true, is it? The truth is that apart from the Lord Jesus Christ, I can do nothing. Listen your life lacking fruit? Are the people around you lacking, you know, here you go. Let me talk to you men for just a moment. The, 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 your, your wives and your children in particular, and women, this goes for you too, uh, but, but especially men. Um, your, your children and your, and your spouses, your wives, are depending upon you to have something for them, to give something for them that comes from God. Right, so let me give you this quick example. Let's say I came home one evening and Brenda said, hello, I've been cooking all day. I've got something made for us all. And I came home and she had a square of cheese and said, here, here's what I made. Okay, so yeah, follow me. Right? Okay, so and here's this little square of cheese. I was like, well, there's five of us, right? We're not going to be able to eat this and that's, you know, going to satisfy us. Listen, if you're not preparing enough for yourself, what are you going to share with anybody else? If you're not in the word of God yourself, if you're not praying for him, what are you going to feed your children? What are you going to feed your wife? What are you going to give to your coworker when you've not prepared anything for yourself? Listen, this is, this is a, another way of saying what Jesus is saying here. You have to remain in him to have fruit for anyone else. You have to remain in him or else you can't do anything. You have to remain. Now on the flip side of that, a lifetime of abiding in Christ produces an endless harvest of the character of the Spirit within and the love of Christ without. Listen, you cannot beat. There is no end to the possibilities in your life and my life if you will follow the Lord every day, if you will seek after him, if you'll be in his word every day, a culmination of years of that. What can the Lord not do in that life? It's limitless. There, there's no end. It's boundless. There, you know, the Lord can do anything he wants in a life that's fully surrendered and fully his. And that's a picture of what we want today. I've got a quote here from ML, uh, Dale Moody here to, to end up with, to finish with. No one can sum up all God is able to accomplish through one solitary life, wholly yielded to him. I'm uh, sorry, wholly yielded, adjusted, and obedient to him. Isn't that great? Listen, I pray for this. I pray for our church body. I pray for our leadership. I pray for our laity as well. We need some mighty oaks. You know what I'm saying? We need some men and women who are, like that, who are like that tree planted by water, people who are abiding in the word, people who are abiding in prayer, people who are remaining in the Lord Jesus Christ every day. You know why? Because there is a broken world out there who needs someone who's prepared enough for themselves that they have something to share who've remained in the Lord Jesus Christ enough that now there's fruit that, that can be uh, used in the life of someone else. Yeah, But it doesn't happen if we're not in the relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ first. It's key, remaining in Him, being in relationship with Him, staying connected with Him. You have, it's the prerequisite to everything. We have to be uh, committed disciples. We have to be committed to following Him personally every day and being with Him in our lives. Amen? Amen. Let's close like this. Let's 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 pray together. Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, I do pray. I pray for for every person here today, Father, that these words would just remind us of the importance of our relationship with you. I thank you for these Lord, words, Lord, that the Lord Jesus spoke to his disciples, and, and Lord, we take them today, and we want to we use them and apply them. We want them to, uh, to inspire us all, Lord God, to follow you better. So, Father, I pray uh, for those who are here today, I pray that you would be active in their lives, Lord God, in making fruit. Uh, and Father, I pray that you would help, help every one of us, Lord God, to spend every day constantly in prayer, constantly, uh, at least a t- time or two during the day in your word. Um, and in fellowship with other believers, um, in times that we can, we can lift our concerns to you and praise and honor you through our prayers or, or even through music, Lord God. Uh, and Lord, we pray that through all of this, that you would make us like that, that Psalm 1 tree planted by water. I pray that you would produce deep, deep roots. I pray that you would produce um, uh, fruit in our lives as we follow you for, for days and weeks and years, Lord God, so that we might have something to share. With the, with the people around us so that we might have fruit um, that bears up in, in our lives and in the lives of the people, for the lives of the people around us. Lord, God, I pray especially for the, the, the husbands and wives, for the, for the grandparents, Lord God, today. I pray for all of them. Um, Lord God, I pray that you would help us to prepare enough for ourselves every day that we'd, we would have enough to share with the people around us. Lord, help us, we pray. It's in Jesus' great name. Amen. Amen. All right, thanks for being here today. Great to see you guys. Hope you all have a great week.